Welcome to Amici, News and Insights from the New York Courts. I'm John Carr, and I'd like to welcome you to this Diversity Dialogue edition of the program. Today we're joined by Lieutenant Vincent Sinclair, a court officer who, since 2009, has trained aspiring court officers at the Court Officer Academy. In addition to his regular duties, Lieutenant Sinclair is a statewide coordinator for the Court Officer's Ceremonial Unit, and in his free time, he spends a lot of time helping his community, largely through a program he founded called Leo Hearted Cares. And I'll let him explain what that's all about. He has also been a Big Brothers Big Sisters volunteer. Additionally, Lieutenant Sinclair was recently publicly commended by Chief Judge Janet DeFiori for his role in designing a new community affairs program. Lieutenant, welcome to the program. When, why, and how did you become a court officer? When, why, and how? So when I became a closer, it was January of 2006. I got accepted in the City Academy. Uh, that was, uh, you know, on the heels of obviously processing and getting through the physical ability, the medical, the psychological uh, background investigation and everything else. Um, why and how uh, was literally through uh, my parents. So they or city workers themselves, both of them retired from the New York City Department of Corrections. Um, my mom was an officer, my father was a captain, and they made me take pretty much all city service jobs, um, exams, and everything else. And this was the agency that they really, truly wanted me to be part of. And, you why know, I that? followed my parents' advice. Why, 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 why is that? Why did, why did they stress uh, this agency? Well, you know, my parents working in the New York City Department of Corrections, they, uh, <laughs> it was a pretty rough time in the city corrections at that period. And they just didn't want that for me in particular. So they did encourage me to take this job. I did get offered at NYPD. Um, but, you know, parents being parents, they wanted their uh, child to be safe. And this was the option for that they saw. I that see. was the best. I see. Now you mentioned the physical testing, the psychological testing. How difficult is it to get into the academy? And take it one step further, how difficult is it to get through the academy? To get into the academy? Well, if you really think about it, right, from the time you take the exam, uh, there may be, let's say, 100,000 people throughout the state that take the exam. So to make it to the actual academy, you're, you're in theory, right, if we were to do the numbers and probability, they're very slim. So getting through, um, you know, first scoring well on your written exam, then passing your physical ability and your medical, your psychological, the background, everything else, it is a process. It does take a long period of time, a lot of manpower and, and hours put into vetting each uh, uh, possible candidate. So it is a process which is pretty involved um, and extensive to get into the academy. Uh, getting through the academy, uh, I'll say a lot of it is preparation, um, both physically, mentally, and also uh, socially. People need to prepare, you know, for uh, the physical attributes as far as um, push-ups, sit-ups, the run time, and everything else, but also get your families ready. Um, I think that a lot of people kind of, uh, they, they have a very, um, let's say, uh, lighthearted conversation, but the, the academy is pretty, uh, um, 
demanding. And, you know, especially if this family involved kids, spouses, things of that sort, you know, it can be uh, taxing if, if there isn't a conversation beforehand. And I think that that adds a level of stress if people aren't prepared for that. Um, and, you know, getting through, I think the preparation is really where it's at. Uh, it is, it is physically demanding. It is mentally demanding. Uh, but it's not impossible. Obviously, with over 4,000 officers that wear the uniform, we have the, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, push and it is a hurdle and a challenge for many, but it is possible with the proper preparation. It sounds like it's very possible with the right preparation. Now, so you, you got out of the academy, and, and uh, then what, what? What what were your first assignments? So straight out the academy, I started in New York criminal um, night court. And that was an interesting time. Uh, I was very young when I graduated, and just the idea of night court wasn't something that uh, you kind of heard about it. Right? People talked about it in the academy, they mentioned it, but you didn't really have a full grasp of what night court was. Um, in all actuality, it was... A great time. Uh, the crew that I worked with were amazing. They took me under their wing. Uh, the supervision there was helpful in the sense of, you know, just guiding me along and teaching me really arraignments, right? That's all you really do in, in night court is just uh, arraignments. But there were so many facets that um, I was able to pick up on and learn just due to the years of experience that I walked into working with the crew that I had there. I want to say at least senior person probably had about eight, nine years on by the time I walked in. So walking in straight up from the academy, they were more than willing to teach me all that they knew. So that was a blessing. Um, shortly after getting to uh, night court, though, I put a transfer in uh, to days. So about a year later, I get a transfer out to uh, Queens Criminal Court, uh, where I transferred back to days. And I was out there for uh, about two to three years. And uh, that's when I also had the opportunity to apply for and join the New York State Court Ceremonial Unit, mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, apply for the Special Response Team, um, both of which I was able to, you know, successfully complete and join. Now tell me about the Ceremonial Unit. What is that and what's your role in it? Uh, so the, the New York State Court Ceremonial Unit is a is a unit that's um, that comes out of the Department of Public Safety, um, and our and our responsibility are to render honors and um, you know be present for very big events as well as small. So we render honors at things like uh, graduations and uh, retirement walkouts and uh, anywhere where there's going to be a gathering people, and we want to put that best foot forward. Um, we also do services like funeral services and, um, you know, presenting um, the flag to the next of can and casket duty and rifle teams and color guards and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we, we're kind of a mixed bag. Um, however, anytime that there is an event where they do want some type of representation from the uniform force, the ceremonial unit will get deployed, get requested and get deployed out to those uh to those events. Huh, that sounds, uh, sounds very nice. What's that? That sounds very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, now you also mentioned a, a response unit. Was that, is that what you said? Yes, a special response team. What, so, what, what is that? So, uh, special response team, or we, we commonly call it just SRT. Mm -hmm. um, SRT is there for the operational needs of the courts. 
And generally what they'll do is that uh, if there are any type of um, situations or events that are taking place where they would need some operational support from the uniformed forces, they would be deployed to those things. So if you think about high profile cases where you had, you're going to have an influx of, you know, a volume of people present, um, and you want a uniform force out there. Uh, they could be present for that. They also do things uh, behind the scenes like uh, judicial protection. So, you know, if there's a judge that and they work in conjunction with things like the uh, DPS or the Department of Public Safety, where it is judicial threats that are deemed credible. Right. They can possibly get deployed out to, you know, escort judges around. Um, within the courts, they also do things like uh, cell extraction. So if there's a defendant that doesn't want to come out of the cell, if a judge deems it necessary, they can sign a force order and have the uh, special response team enter into the cell and utilize the minimal amount of force necessary to get this individual out and present in front of the court. So they, they, they again, are kind of a mixed bag of different operational needs for the courts um, that would just be a little outside the and not to say that any uniformed officer isn't able to conduct these things. Uh, the special response team is just trained to do them uh, in, a, in, a, in a safer and more proper manner, if you will. I if see. That's the... Now, let's, let's back up a moment. Um, uh, what, what is your ethnic heritage? So, my both my parents are Jamaican. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my grandfather on my father's side... Uh, came here uh, when he was in his teens and pretty much the classic migration story, right? Came here with $7 in his pocket and, you know, built up, a, <laughs> you know, established himself, found a job, um, but, you know, was able to uh, make a home. Um, he settled down in Camden, New Jersey, um, and then we eventually moved to New York where we uh, – settled down in Queens and on my mother's side uh, my great grandparents came here from Jamaica so that was a totally different uh, kind of experience and I remember talking with my grandmother my maternal grandmother uh, about her experience growing up in Spanish Harlem during the Great Depression and everything else so that was uh, an experience different from you know my father's side who again migrated here from Jamaica but Came a different route. Sure. So. Different, different route, different time, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, who, who are your early role models? Um, I was honestly blessed enough to have a number of role models, um, all of which kind of surrounded around uh, my parents and their circle. Uh, so my father, he owned a, uh, you know, on his side, on the side from being a captain with the Department of Corrections, he also owned and ran a... Uh, ran a martial arts school so i grew up um around men that were of high caliber whether it be martial arts whether it be law enforcement or military my father was also a uh, army veteran um so some of his friends you know just growing around growing up around men of that caliber i think was a very influential part of who and why i am uh where i am right now um you know, so if my father didn't have, you know, if he didn't have words for me, then definitely one of these, uh, one of these what I like to call my uncles, right? They would pull me aside and talk to me as well. And, uh, you know, growing up, just having that diversity of 
thought and diversity of just male figures in my life, I think, definitely helped with making me who I am. It sounds like you had very strong role models in your life and a very strong support system. I did. I did. You're blessed in that way, and I'm sure you know it. Now, how did you end up and why at the uh, at the academy? So I think it was the culmination of my entire life. Uh, like I you know, just mentioned with the martial arts school and just growing up in martial arts, uh, my father had me teaching classes at the age of 14. So as a recruit, while I was sitting in the, in the chairs looking at the instructors, in the back of my head, I said, that's where I want to be. Uh, you know, I, I just knew from the time that I sat there watching them and everything that they were able to um, share with us and impart their knowledge. And, you know, some were fun, some were stern, some were, you know, firm. And it, it was just, it was a, it was literally a, a plethora of different uh, uh, delivery, right, uh, mechanisms, right? So each of them got up there and had their own kind of flair. And I said, <laughs> I, I, I literally said as a recruit, and I said, you know, this is where I want to be. I want to be able to share and impart this knowledge that I have. I want to be able to, you know, influence the next generation. And that was really what sparked a lot of it. So it, it was the culmination of me, like I said, growing up in the environment in which I did. And also being pushed by these role models that I had to aspire for more. You know, I think that working at the academy is, is an honor. Um, just being able to tap into and, and be trusted with the development of that next generation is a big thing. Now, you've been, you've been with the court system for uh, quite a while, and at this point in your career, would you recommend the court officer profession to other young men and women? Uh, I would. Uh, it, it's, it, is a, uh, it is a very, very viable career option. Um, you know, when you think about getting into law enforcement and, you know, some of the uh, uh, other options that are out there, there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of pull to other agencies. Uh, so whether it be notoriety, whether it be, you know, the perceived toughness of the job, whether it be um, just retirement or anything of the sort, it's there are a lot of pull factors elsewhere. But I do put the New York State courts up there with and next to any other agency for the mere fact that there is this thing called quality of life. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of times, it, especially while young, it may not be something that is on the forefront of your mind, but at some point we no longer are young, right? And these are things that we have to start to think about because I believe that, you know, we, we spend more time as an adult than we did, than we do being youth, right? Uh, and when you think about the, the the introduction of getting married, when you think about the introduction of children into your life and all these other things, these are hurdles that you may not factor in in the beginning. However, the New York State courts offer you the the privilege to be able to, you know, map out your life, literally. Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, you know, holidays and everything else are things that in other law enforcement agencies are unheard of. So unless you have a whole lot of time on right? Um, so do I recommend this and would I encourage people to take the exam and process and get on this job? Yes, I would. Do you think it's fair to say that the court system welcomes and encourages diversity? I do. I do believe
believe that it welcomes it. I do believe that uh, that they do encourage diversity within the court system, and I and I think that it's a uh, I think it's a it's very important for them to continue that, um, you know, and and continue the uh, push to make the court system um, as well represented as the people that it that are using it. And I, and I think that's a, an important task for the job to continue. It seems to be a continuing uh, struggle. You know, as, as you well know, 30 years ago, the commission that uh, became the Franklin H. Williams Judicial Commission issued a report indicating that the way court officers treated minorities was a concern. And uh, last year, an investigation and report by Jay Johnson found that that remains a problem. Why is this a recurring issue? I do believe that people are well-intentioned, and I do believe that the issues that are, that have been highlighted are valid. Uh, but here's what I would say um, with regard to that. I believe that it is a difficult thing um, to sustain the enthusiasm, if you will, um, over time. And people resort back, you know, once tired and fatigue sets in, people resort back to what they're comfortable with. So one thing I would say is that perhaps it's a sustainability thing. This momentum, this energy, this enthusiasm that people have um, with regard to these issues that have been pointed out need to be sustained, if you will, mm-hmm. and followed through on. Now, one, one of Secretary Johnson's uh, recommendations was to build a bridge between the court officers and the community. And it sounds like you're very much involved in that effort with the uh, Community Affairs Program. Can, can you just tell me what that program is and, and what it hopes to achieve? Yes, the, the community affairs program that I'm currently working on is the, uh, you know, is the byproduct of Chief Judge Janet DeFiori's, you know, response to a lot of the issues that are pointing out, pointed out. And I do want to say that, uh, you know, just in regard to the chief judge, you know, we talk about that sustainability. She has obviously shown that she's following through on the things that she has proposed in response to. And that's a great step forward. So with regards to this community affairs unit and program, what we're trying to achieve is just being able to connect with the court users, connect with those community members and and just show that the system and, and OCA in general, you know, is not only here for, you know, the hard, firm response to these situations, but also here as a resource. So, you know, hearing people out and, being part of these community engagement efforts, community outreach efforts, reminding people that there are, you know, outside of just the uniform ranks, there are a number of career opportunities within the courts and, you know, help people with understanding the process through which they can either apply or even just check to see what's available to them. So when we, when we talk about this community affairs unit, you know, there, there's going to be a number of different things that we're, we're trying to achieve. But the main thing is being tapped in, being engaged, and being in communication with the communities that use us. Now, that seems to dovetail perfectly with uh, Leo Hearted Care as an organization that you founded to bring law enforcement and communities together. Let, let's, let's talk about that a little bit, if we could. What, what does that organization do, and, and what inspired you to be among its founders? The mission is to increase public safety and strengthen ties between law enforcement and community, yes. And we, do, we, we accomplish this by a number of different initiatives that we have created. So myself um, and you know other officers, whom many of which work within the court system. So you have Captain Marcus Durham in ninth. You have also Tawana Johnson out in Queens. You have uh, uh, also Glenn Sabas, who now works at the academy. 
He was from Bronx Housing at the time. You know, you have a bunch of board members, Darren Wagner, all these different officers, Robert Winkler, you know, all these different officers that are coming from literally diverse regions in the court system, whom each of which has had their own kind of uh, uh, experience, either growing up in the city or, or working in the system or, you know, some other type of experience which has tapped them to say, hey, we need to find a solution. I was blessed enough to be uh, uh, chosen to represent the New York State Courts in 2016 down in Dallas after the five officers down there were killed. Um, and shortly thereafter, I was also sent to Baton Rouge to for the three officers literally two weeks later that were killed in a line of duty down there as well. So coming back off the heels of that and just seeing um, and meeting and engaging in and conversing with all these officers from all around literally the world. And it, it, the elephant in the room was what's going on, right? Like, what are we doing? Like, how are these things going to change? What can we do? So that was literally sitting on my mind coming off the heels of those, uh, those trips. And I sat down with a friend of mine who was the director of social outreach and engagement, uh, Randy. He's a licensed social worker. So here you will have, you know, myself in law enforcement, a friend of mine in social work. And uh, and we're discussing just some of the different options. You know, what what are what are how can we go about trying to tackle this thing? Uh, and it literally started with a hashtag, <laughs> uh, just a hashtag that we put out there. L.E.W.C. Right. Uh, law enforcement who care. And just to change the narrative and, and to show a light that there are people within this profession who do care about what is happening within the community. Um, from there, grew into literally the 501c3 that we currently have, um, through which we have a mentoring program uh, in which we mentor corner of our youth. All of our volunteers are officers. So where they're from, we have corrections, we have PD, we have Port Authority, we have courts, obviously. All officers who volunteer their own time to come and mentor these kids. We have a look inside in which we work with officers from around the city uh, to create, and it's curated by Leon Tillman, who works in Bronx Criminal. Uh, he's an officer up there. He he manages, you know, an art studio. So connected with him, and you know, he has wonderful pieces. We also got tapped into um, a number of different officers and community members, and you know, the task was to really come with pieces that fostered the conversation of you know community and law enforcement engagement. And what the idea with that was that you know. If you and I are having this discussion about this, you know, piece of art on the wall, we can dive into, you know, deeper, more complex conversation because it takes some of the personal sting out of the disagreement. Right. We're talking about this, you know, object on the wall as opposed to challenging each other's, you know, directly challenging one another. Um, so we, we've gotten some good feedback from that. Future Community Stars, we work with a number of different uh, groups of kids and we pretty much, you know, engage them by discussing the pros and cons and defining what uh, community service actually is. Then we have them kind of design one big project and we help them pretty much launch that project and follow it through to its completion where we bring in uh, local police uh you know, their parents, other community members. So here you are, you have a community service project created by children in which the parents and the officers and community members are being led by those same very children. So we're empowering them to be leaders, empowering them to, you know, be community minded and um, helping 
the community at the end of the day. Uh, you know, just a number of different things. We work with local orgs and, you know, just try to get things, you know, done on a uh, more grassroots, you know, uh, smaller scale. What a phenomenal initiative. And, and uh, Lieutenant, I'd like to thank you for all you do both inside the court system and from the outside to, to uh, build these bridges and make our court system and our community uh, better and, uh, and stronger. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's, uh, it's a team effort. Trust, there's a... Uh, there's a whole lot of people in the background here who uh, who aren't on this call that I owe a great deal of gratitude to as well. So it is a team effort, and uh, and uh, and I, I thank you for being a part of that team, and thank you for thank you for coming on the program. Thank you.